fundamental definition of, of happiness is the, the experience of gratitude. To be grateful is to be happy, and to be happy is to be grateful. Now, what does gratitude mean? This is just very fundamental stuff. Dennis Prager has a whole book on it. What does gratitude mean? Gratitude is the feeling that I am getting more than I deserve. When you feel like you're getting more than you need, that's a feeling of wealth. You feel rich. Abundance. When you feel like you're getting more than you deserve, that produces gratitude. Because if you're getting what you deserve, that's justice. There's no reason for joy. You're not happy about that. So if you feel like you deserve to get a job and you deserve to get paid for your work, there's no occasion for gratitude or joy. I put in the work, pay me. So if you don't pay me, I won't be unhappy. <laughs> I'll be outraged because this is, this, is, this is not moral. It's an injustice. But if I get paid more than I think I deserve, now I've got an, an occasion for gratitude. So if I'm getting more than I need, I feel wealthy. If I'm getting more than I deserve, I feel grateful. So how do we get to happiness? By being grateful. And what are we grateful for? So there are people who go a little overboard, you know. Oh, you always have something to be grateful for. This one guy wrote a book. <laughs> he says, you can be grateful that your parachute didn't fail to open. Yeah, but I, I wasn't using a parachute. <laughs> I don't jump out of planes. Yeah, but still, there are people who jump out of planes and their parachute fails to open. Didn't happen to you. That's a little <laughs> desperate. If you got to go that far, you're, pretty, you're a pretty sad person. Where do we get the feeling, I'm getting more than I deserve? Whoever thinks like that? Your ego would naturally assume, well, if I'm getting paid that much, I guess I deserve it. I must be really good because I'm getting paid more than anybody else for doing the same job. When would I attribute what I'm getting to good fortune rather than deserve, deservedness? So it takes a certain amount of humility to not only believe, but to actually feel I'm getting more than I deserve whether it's at work or just in life in general. Like, my wife is really good to me. I don't deserve it. Or I deserve a little of it, but not that much. So there's a certain humility that is necessary for, for joy. Because without humility, you don't feel gratitude. Without gratitude, there's no joy. So, when, when the Torah says, the humble will gather in joy, everybody says, wait, 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 humble people are not happy people. Humble people are miserable people. <laughs> Since when the humble people get to be happy? Well, that, that's, that's not understanding what humility. Yes, if you think you're a loser and you tell yourself that you're a loser, no, you're not going to be happy. You get a bunch of those people together, it's not going to be a fun event. But that's not what humility means. Humility means not assuming that you deserve. 
So humility doesn't mean thinking you're incapable when you're capable or thinking you're stupid when you're smart. That's not humility. That's just, that's just self-deception. Humility means I know how smart I am and I know how good I am, but I don't deserve. Nobody owes me, including God. So whatever I get, I'm grateful because I don't think I deserve that. When people who are humble in that fashion, they are happier people. Because once you open this can of worms called deserve, you'll never be happy. There are people who are miserable because they're convinced that they're not getting what they deserve. And there are people who are miserable because they feel that they're getting more than they deserve and they're suffering from that, what is it called, that complex? You know, why, did, why, did, why didn't I die? What? What is that called? Guilt? No, no. Survivors? Survivors? Yeah. So, I'm getting, I'm getting more than I deserve. I'm worried about that. Or, I'm not getting as much as I deserve. How come? Where's... So, as soon as you open that, that topic, I deserve, I don't deserve, I deserve more, a little less, you know, you got to adjust it just right, you'll never be happy. A humble person doesn't go there. And so everything that he experiences, he's grateful. That's, I think, an old-fashioned approach to, uh, to, to happiness. Then, like, like you say, the assumption was, if you're good at something and you succeed, it'll make you happy. which at, at its very root makes you unhappy. I have to do something and do it well in order to be happy? Then the default position is unhappy. So unless this happens, I have no reason to be happy, which means I'm basically in a state of depression. <laughs> so even if it does happen, it's just a band-aid on my unhappiness. So let's take a new look. A completely radical, strange, crazy view of what our lives are all about. From the time you start kindergarten, you are told what you need to do what you must do. You say to a child who's going to kindergarten, you got to get your shoes on, you're going to miss the bus. You got to get to the bus. You're going to miss the bus, you're going to miss a day of school. So you're talking to a six-year-old and you say, you have to. So he gets up and he puts on his shoes. And he catches the bus. If he doesn't, never hear the end of it. Because he failed. He's six years old. He's already failing. <laughs> He's a loser because he missed the bus. Now, why do you have to get on the bus? Because you got to go to school. You have to go to school. Why? because you need to get into a good college. Why? Because you need to get a good job. Why? Because you need money. Why? Because you got to pay the mortgage and the taxes. Why? <laughs> Eventually, it comes down to the ultimate conclusion, because if you don't have a job and you can't pay your bills and you get thrown at it, you're going to die. You don't want to die. 
<laughs> so the six-year-old has to catch the bus because otherwise he's going to die. <laughs> and that's just the beginning. <laughs> now he comes home from school and he's got to put his toys away. Why? Because I told you to. Why? <laughs> because the room is messy. It's your toys. You want to take good care of them. Put them where they're safe. Why? Because if you don't, I'll spank you. It always comes down to a threat. You're going to die. I'm going to kill you. You're going to get spanked. You're going to get punished. You're going to be miserable. Every step of life, everything, everything. You have to, you must, you got to, you need to, you do. That was life for like 5,000 years of history. Okay, so what happens is, you know, all these demands, I mean, enough already, I can't take this anymore. So I go for therapy. <laughs> And I sit down and I say, you know, you got to help me because all, all these demands on me, I, 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 too much to... And the, the therapist says, oh, you think that that's your problem? That's just a symptom. Your real problem is your mother never wanted to have you. <laughs> or, or you're jealous of your brother. So what? I don't have a brother. <laughs> Yeah, but, <laughs> so all of a sudden, I have more needs than I ever dreamed of. So in desperation, I turn to religion. <laughs> Can I get some relief here? What does religion say? You think your problems are going to end when you die? No. They're going to start when you, when, you, when you die. So you better do this, that, and the other. You want to go to hell? Okay, that's it. I quit. I can't, I can't do this. I spend my entire life avoiding some threat. That's it. That's life. Life means don't die, don't fail, don't go to hell. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So there's a guy in India, probably heard about it. He's 27 years old. He took his parents to court. He sued them because they gave birth to him without his consent. The court threw it out, so it didn't go very far. <clears throat> his argument was, I didn't, I didn't agree to this. I didn't ask to be born. So if I have any expenses, you have to pay. What do I have to pay? I have to pay because you gave birth to me. You decided to give birth to me. You pay all my bills to the day I die. And I have a very big appetite. <laughs> I know how you can rectify all this. <laughs> they threw it out of court because the parents said, we didn't ask to be born either. <laughs> so blame grandma. They took it all the way back to Adam and Eve. <laughs> Who started this? There's, there's some truth to that. Why does it make sense that you're born into responsibilities? If you didn't ask to be born, you didn't agree to be born, how do you become responsible? It doesn't make sense. So today, the thinking and the feeling is, don't threaten me. I don't care. Even 10-year-olds are saying, I didn't ask to be born. Or, you didn't have me for me. 
this comedian says, my, my son was a sweet little boy and then he became a teenager. And now he's got issues. And we get into fights. And the other day he said to me, so why'd you have me? So I said, well, we didn't really know it was going to be you. <laughs> we were hoping for a guy with a job. <laughs> so even little kids, I didn't ask to be born. Now, by the old standard, this kid is depressed. He needs therapy. He needs gone medication. He didn't ask to be born. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to live. This is serious. So you rush him off and put him on on, on Zoloft or something. And if a kid says, "I didn't ask to be born," you should say, "Neither did I," because it's true. We don't ask to be born. And why don't we ask to be born? Because we don't need to. We don't need this. I think it's pretty obvious that if we were never born, we would have no complaints. Yeah, we would never knock on heaven's door and say, how come I wasn't born? We don't need to be born. This is scary, right? We don't ask to be born because we don't need to be. We, we were never, I don't know, brave enough to face that reality because that sounds like it's leading to depression. I don't need this. I didn't ask for this. I'm resentful. I'm depressed. Or, I didn't ask for this. I don't need this. Life is meaningless. So I become a nihilist. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? That's why belief in God is absolutely essential to, to mental health. What? Mental health. <laughs> because if I don't need life and there is no God, what am I left with? So we have to rethink one of the most fundamental assumptions by which we have lived for 5,780 years. Human beings are needy. Is that true? We're weak, we're, we're, we're tiny, we're helpless, we are needy, we are dependent on God, he better be nice to me or, or I'm going to suffer terribly, so I will sacrifice my firstborn, if that's what it takes to make him happy with me. And you are reminded of this hundreds of ways every single day. You need this, you must have that. I mean, listen to the commercials. It drive you crazy. As if life doesn't give you enough needs. <laughs> the commercials what, you don't have one of these? You gotta have one of these. It's to die for. You see? And interesting also, the language has come down to do or die. You know? This is to die for. Uh, the guy sang that song, he killed it. What, what, what's going on here? and other such. I need, I must have, and, and look, it's true. Human beings are frail. Human beings are dependent on so many things. Bad weather can kill you. A mosquito can kill you if he's carrying a virus. A banana peel can bring you down. <laughs> so, so what are you? You're a helpless little creature. 
that worked for 5,000 years. All of a sudden, you know, if, if you think there's global, uh, what do you call it, climate change, that, that's the least of our problems. There's, there's another change that is happening, much more significant. And that is, you can't threaten me anymore. I've had it. Don't threaten me. Ten-year-olds are saying, I'm not cleaning up my room. What are you going to do? Kill me? I didn't ask to be born. It's down, it's down to that fundamental shift. I will no longer accept this identity of being the helpless, dependent beggar. Just don't kill me. It's not a way to live. I was speaking to a, a shul full of people on Yom Kippur who don't know, who don't know how to daven, they don't read Hebrew. They come because it's Yom Kippur, but they, they don't know what to do. So we were, we were talking. Upstairs, there was a minion of the daveners. And I'm wondering, when they look at what's going on in the davening, what do they see? What does it look like to them? An entire community of healthy human beings are sitting there all day long, fasting, admitting their sins, promising to do better, crying, begging God not to kill them. Right? Inscribe us in the book of life. We want to live. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. They want to run away. This place is nuts. You're healthy. You're, you're, you're young. You're, what is with this paranoia? He's going to kill you? You're afraid to die? You know, there are people who don't come to shul at all. They don't die. What's with you? <clears throat> Today, you take it a step further. It's not just, what makes you think you're going to die? Calm down. It's more than that. So what if you die? You're going through all of this, the whole synagogue, the whole community, the whole, because you mustn't die? Hey, everybody dies. Well, like the Yiddish expression, <laughs> you know, die gesundheit hate and don't make a fuss. <laughs> die in good health. <laughs> so today, it's like, really? That's your Yom Kippur? I don't want to die? I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. Leave me alone. It's not working. I mean, the threat of Gehenna, that, that, that went out the window a, a while ago, going to hell. Now when I hear people talk like that, it's like, really? People actually woke up early in the morning to avoid going to hell after they die? I, I, I can't relate to this. So, for all of history, the farmer went to work in the fields, and the gatherers went to gather. Why? Not to die. Why did they do it? How come there was no rebellion? Like, <laughs> stop it. They did what they had to do. Exactly. You do what you have to do. But when you break it down, why do I have to do what I have to do? Because if not, you're going to die. 
So I'm living my whole life working myself to the bone day and night just to not die. All of a sudden, that is not computing. That's not what? Computing. That makes sense anymore. And, and it's, not, it's not some kind of a weird philosophy. <laughs> Ten-year-olds are voicing this attitude. I don't care. I didn't ask to be born. So when the religious grandfather says to his grandson, you have to... You have to keep kosher. You have to make a bracha. You have to... My grandson says, I have to? I don't. It just dawned on me, I don't. So they get into a fight. And the grandfather says, you have to. The kid says, I don't have to. Who's right? You have to go to school. You have to graduate. You have to pass the test. I don't have to. Who's right? Here, here's, in theological terms, here's the issue. If you have needs, then you're competing with God. Because God created the world for His reason, you have your reason. So God wants you to fast on Yom Kippur, but you need to eat. So what are you going to do? So what was the traditional answer? <laughs> Too bad. You fast or you're dead. <laughs> I don't like this. But now we're realizing it's not a conflict. We don't have two gods fighting over life, where God tells you to do this, but you need to do something else. The whole notion that human beings have needs is not kosher. God created you. Enough said? You didn't create yourself. I rest my case. If God created you, who's needy? God creates you and you're the one with needs. You give birth to me and you want me to get a job? <laughs> you get a job. So if you created me, how did I become responsible? And if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, you're going to punish me? Religion is horrible. If that's what religion is saying, it's absolutely monstrous. <clears throat> I don't ask to be born. I don't need to be born. God creates me and says, you're going to go to hell. I quit right there. That's it. I've had it. Here's, here's the switch that is happening in front of our eyes. It's good news, but it has some terrible side effects. The good news is human beings are not needy. We are not um, helpless. We're, we're, we're not in trouble by default. We're not born in sin. We have no needs. Remember not so long ago, people were paranoid. People were terrified of the day after. Remember that movie? The day after nuclear whatever. The whole world is going to blow itself up. Yeah, that'll be the end of all suffering. I'll stop complaining. I'll never quetch again. It'll be over. What's your problem? That, that threat, that hungover, we're all going to die. Hey, don't threaten me, okay? 5,000 years, enough already. It's not working.
we are not needy. That's just a fact. I don't know how we got so brainwashed to thinking that we're the needy ones. We didn't create the world. How, how are we needy? In fact, it is an arrogance to say, I need. No, you don't. You're a guest. <clears throat> so, instead of an invulnerable God who sits in heaven uh, drinking uh, pina colada or something, watching us struggle with our needs, you got it all backwards. You got it all backwards. I don't need anything. He created the world. Hello. He is needy. We didn't disturb him. He came and disturbed us. We were minding our own business. And all of a sudden, we're here out of his need. First of all, that is so liberating. Remember Alfred E. Newman? Why does that say he why does that say that he needs? He needs what? I don't know. But if he created a whole universe, <laughs> I mean he's after something. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you remember Mad Magazine? You heard Mad Magazine? Yeah. So the character Alfred E. Newman, what, me worried? What have I got to lose? We're all like that. What am I worrying about? It's not my world, I didn't create this, I didn't ask for this. Yeah, but it's all gonna fall apart. <laughs> what, what do you want from me? If it falls apart, it falls apart, I don't care. That is sanity if we're looking for joy, for happiness, this is the only real happiness. Because as soon as I have needs, you've destroyed my happiness. I need to make a living. That's it, you've killed me. What am I happy about? Because somebody lets me work in their company? I don't need this. In fact, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, what was the curse on Adam? He's going to need a job. <laughs> that was the curse. By the sweat of your brow, you will make bread. Who needs this? Oh, I got a really good job. Oh, good for you. <laughs> What are you so happy about? <laughs> now you gotta go to work. You gotta. Those words, gotta go. <laughs> I don't gotta. It is such a relief. But then, <laughs> then what do I do? So you gotta flip both, both, both sides of the coin. I need nothing. He needs everything. He needs me to eat. Because he designed me that way. If I designed myself, I would never do this to me. Can't go for a couple of hours without food? That's so embarrassing. I would not do this to myself. So if you ask me, do I need to eat? I need to stop eating, and I can't. I need to stop sleeping, but I can't. I need to stop worrying, and I can't. Who did this to me? So now, factually speaking, if a person says, I need to eat, is that true or false? false. 
This is not a matter of humility. It's not, it's not a matter of, of being aesthetic. Go without food. You'll become a tzaddik. <laughs> or you'll become an angel, actually. Because <laughs> you're going to die. But you know, give up your food. Give up your need. Sacrifice. No. I've got nothing to sacrifice. Because I don't need anything. So when I say I need to eat, it's not true. I don't. But he saddled me with this handicap. So why am I attributing it to me? There's that famous story about the, the sage who was riding down a road and he saw a guy by the side of the road who was exceedingly ugly. So he stops and he says, whoa, are you ugly? And the guy says, don't complain to me, complain to my maker. And the idea behind it is, the man's ugliness came from his arrogance. So the sage felt that he needed to do something to fix it. The arrogance came from the fact that he never admitted to a creator. He took all the credit for himself, self-made man. So the sage said to him, you're a self-made man. Why'd you make yourself so ugly? So for the first time in his life, he had to admit, uh, no, I didn't do that. Somebody did that to me. So complain to him. This is true of everything in life. I need to eat? No, somebody did that to me. I need to sleep half my life away? No, somebody did that to me. So if somebody asks, why do you need to eat? Don't complain to me. Complain to my maker. It's not my idea. So it's not my need. If I don't need to be born, why do I need to eat? On the other hand, we're told, if God gave you life, he'll give you food. Does that make sense? That's like the guy suing his parents. You gave birth to me, you feed me. So the Gemara actually says, whoever gives you life will also keep you alive. Why not? It's his investment. <clears throat> So, if we really want to be happy, we have a whole new picture. This will make you happy. That'll make you happy. Don't worry. Don't sweat the small stuff. You know, don't worry. Be happy. That's old. It's not working. And it's not even true. The new paradigm is you have nothing to worry about because you need nothing. You don't have to. You don't need. The reason you're here is because you are needed. If you, if you had to ask yourself, what would I rather? Would I rather be needy or needed? <laughs> what, what kind of choice is that? Of course I'd much rather be needed than needy. So not being needy relieves me of all unhappiness. Being needed and necessary to the creator, there's your happiness. But it sounds like you're... Um what you're saying is that you can be a couch potato and just wait for uh, the world to come to you or something. How do we... Why do we enjoy doing something for others more than we enjoy doing it for ourselves? 
there's some, there's some inconsistency here. It's all about me. I have to have what I have to have. I got to get my needs. I got to, oh, you need something? Okay, let's have a party. Why is that? Particularly if you're cooking. You cook for yourself. You open a jar. But somebody else is coming over. It's a, it's a party. And you're willing to put all the work in. Preparing, making, cooking, cleaning. Because somebody else is being fed. For yourself? Eh. So wait a minute. Where is the urgency? Yes, you have to eat. It's not urgent. God needs something from you, and it's urgent. It's what? Urgent. <clears throat> so where's the pressure? We always knew that we're serving God. Right? That, that language is, is very familiar. Serve God. Serve God. But you have to serve God. The pressure is on you. And if you don't serve God, you're a loser. You're a failure. That's not true. If I don't serve God, he's a failure. The urgency is with him, not with me. He is pressured, not me. Whatever is pressuring him to create an entire universe and keep it going must be really heavy. So we are serving him is the only thing that makes any sense. It's not religion. It's, it's just look at the facts. I don't need to be born. I don't need to be here. So what's all the fuss? You're going to say, so I don't know why I'm here. No, I don't know why anything is here. It's not personal. It's not, I can't find my purpose in life. There is none in the human system. There is no purpose. Not just me. Ten-year-olds. Then that's to be born. So where is the purpose? In the Creator. Once, once you think about this, the first verse in the Torah is all you need to know. In the beginning, He created the world. Got it? That's it. Let's party. <laughs> he created the world. <laughs> I don't need anything. But he needs me? What would be a stronger motivating force? My need or his need? His need. Logically, sensibly, his need motivates me a lot more than my need. My need depresses me. We have this tour in, in, in Crown Heights, a walking tour of the community, of the neighborhood. Fantastic. It is so popular. It's a, a, whole, it's a, a whole subject in itself. People from all over the world, Palestinians, Germans, Chinese. How did they find out about it? Air, Airbnb. Airbnb promotes... Oh, experiences. Huh? There's experience. You could yeah. do experiences on Airbnb. Yes. So we're always talking about, wow, the world is coming together. We have more in common than what separates us. When people talk like that, what, are, what, what do we have in common? Our needs. See, we all need the same thing. 
So we should be able to get along because we all need the same thing. <laughs> that is so senseless. Do you know why we don't get along? Because we need the same thing. <laughs> you need the water and I need the water. All right. May the best man win because <laughs> we're going to war over this. If we needed different things, we would be at peace. So yes, it's something we have in common, but that's what makes it impossible to get along. So as soon as I have needs, you're my enemy. Because you also have needs. And by that definition, God is my enemy. What's he mixing into my business? Tells me how to get married, when to get married, to whom to get married. Bug off. I've got my own problems. So religion comes along and says, watch it. The referee. He, he, go, he go and get you. <laughs> so that's not working. So what do we have? A much stronger motivation and no burdens. Come on, that's the best of both worlds. It seems a little strange because our, our reflexive reaction is, he needs? So why is that my problem? He's the needy one. Oh, good for him. What am I getting excited about? The reason we have that attitude if it's not my need, then I'm not going to do it, is because we're so brainwashed into believing that we have our own needs to take care of, so somebody else's needs is annoying. Like, what, what, what is the crisis in marriage? Every marriage that's in crisis, what is it in crisis about? Two people? Two needs. That's it. It's impossible. Oh, marriage is all about compromise. I ain't compromising for the rest of my life. I'll compromise for a half hour. <laughs> Not my whole life. No, well, in marriage you have to make some sacrifices. Human sacrifice is over. <laughs> We're not doing that no more. I'm going to get married, pay the bills so that I can sacrifice? Wake up, people. That's not working. So if we have common needs, we're in trouble. So we have this terrible habit of thinking as a needy being, and therefore God has... God has his problems, I got mine. <clears throat> God says to fast on Yom Kippur, no, I have a need to eat. So who's going to win? Whoever's a bigger bully, and he's a big bully. <laughs> so for 5,000 years, he won. Now people are saying, wait, wait, wait. No, you're not going to bully me into behaving. So, what is one of the big issues in, in, in school today? Bullying. We're not tolerating it anymore. We've always tolerated it. No more. Back to the marriage thing you just said. If you must. <laughs> we get married <clears throat> to provide the other's needs. You do not get married to get what you need. Because if you're needy, don't get married. Don't be ridiculous. Don't find another intelligent human being and say, okay, so you'll give me what I need, right? <laughs> no, you're going to give me what I need. <clears throat> so when people say, you know how much I have sacrificed for this marriage? You know how I compromise all the time? 
My husband loves doing whatever, and I do it even though I don't really like it. I compromise. If making your husband happy is a compromise, you're not even married. That's a compromise? That's what you're here for. That is your life, not a compromise on your life. <clears throat> so what have you compromised? Parents live their life for their children. What a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. Sacrifice means I should be doing something else. No. This is what I should be doing. How do you call that a sacrifice? Because <clears throat> since people still feel they need to go to work. We've got to adjust that. You need to go to work. You're an unhappy person. You're a burdened human being. How do I unburden you? Give you a nicer office? That works for a month. <laughs> but then you got to go to that nice office. You got to. That language just doesn't work. Because it's not true. So when the grandfather says to the grandson, you have to say a blessing before you eat that cookie, you're not telling the truth. He's going to rebel. What you should say is, God created cookies because he wants to hear you say a blessing on the cookie. What will, what will motivate even a child what will inspire a child more when you say you can't have the cookie unless you make a bracha or you say God is waiting to hear your blessing? We're not such selfish, self-centered creatures as we're made out to be. I would much rather make the blessing for him than for me. Feels better feels happier. So I, so I have to look at my work as a... Divine plan. It's a divine plan. God created, first of all, human beings are the most precious, right? The most Im impressive part of creation. No other creature has to go to work just to not die. <laughs> Every other animal runs around, finds something to eat, and goes back to sleep.